started and exited multiple companies. I am an avid investor in early stage companies. I advise some of the hottest startups and have worked with many of the top tech companies across numerous industries. I'm a software developer by trade, but I also have an MBA from Duke University. I seek out companies who defy conventional wisdom to drive innovation in any industry. And in this podcast, I interview the founders of those companies for you. folks, and welcome to my uh, third solo sode that I've recorded. Uh, this one is near and dear to my heart. I um, have, have been very focused on my health over the past probably seven or eight years, and um, and, and I've, I've found that a lot of guests, a lot of companies that I invest in, a lot of the companies that I advise end up asking me um, for my fitness regimen. And... Um, so, so this one in particular came together after I was uh, did a recent interview with Alex uh, Smirzak from from Two You Laundry, young guy, healthy guy. He, but after the interview, he asked a couple questions around health and wellness. Ironically, since we drank bourbon the whole interview, <laughs> I definitely don't recommend that uh, every day. Um, but uh, it, the next morning, he texted me and he said, hey, a lot of that stuff you told me was really interesting. Can you kind of write it down? And so I wrote it down and I figured I would share it, uh, share it with with the guests. I will say that these are things that I have found that have helped me. Um, I think that a lot of them apply to other people, but obviously we're, we're all individuals with our own DNA, with our own epigenetic and environmental factors, with our own blood types, our own genotypes. So some of them will you'll get more mileage or, or less mileage out of, uh, but I am also developing a more data-driven approach uh, that, frankly, I may ultimately commercialize, and so I'm hoping to talk about that in a later solo episode or 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 a series of episodes as well. Uh, so first off, I think the first thing that is very important is nutrition. I don't care how much you work out. I don't care how many of these other things you do. If you've got a shitty diet, if you're eating too much food, if you're eating the wrong uh, macros, if you're eating crap food that isn't real food and is full of empty calories, it's going to wreck haywire all over your your endocrine system. Um, you're, you're signaling it pathways aren't going to work properly and you're going to end up eating a whole bunch of shit. And I don't care how much you work out, you, 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 you will have a gut. I can't tell you how many people in the various gyms that I've worked out in can kick my ass up and down the CrossFit gym, but yet have six inches of waste on me. So uh, me personally, I prefer the, the look better naked route. Uh, but hey, if you want to have a better squat or a better uh, thruster, I, the, the reality is you can have both, though. And I think you really have to address your nutrition. For me, what worked really well was going to a paleo diet. And that's a really an elimination diet where you cut out a, a handful of very, very popular foods, unfortunately, in the standard American diet. Uh, they sound hard to do, but once you do it, that the changes are amazing. Uh, it's It's cutting out all grains. I know your mom and the FDA told you that whole grains are healthy, but for most people, cutting them to zero or at least cutting them to near zero will have immediate impacts on on, on all sorts of different aspects of their health. They're hard to cut out because they use some of the same signaling pathways that heroin and other addictive drugs do. And 
warning the first couple weeks can be pretty painful depending on how many grains you're eating. Uh, you also cut out dairy. Most people don't tolerate dairy well. I happen to tolerate it okay, but I still feel a lot better when I don't eat when I don't eat dairy. Um, I do like grass-fed butter. I do like um, heavier creams from time to time, but but cutting out pasteurized milk and cutting out most cheeses um, has just greatly improved my uh, the, the, the way the way that I feel. Uh, you also cut out legumes. This includes peanuts. A lot of people have peanut allergies or intolerances, uh, but a lot of other popular foods include legumes. This is one that I'm not as adamant about. Uh, but I do feel better in general when I keep these to a minimum. So these are things like chickpeas, which I love, hummus. Uh, these are things like beans. Uh, if you are going to eat beans or, or hummus, I think preparing them correctly and soaking them can, can make them a lot more tolerable uh, for your health. So, so paleo is really cutting out all processed food and then the food categories that I talked about. Uh, and sugar, uh, you cut that out. And any vegetable oil, um, that's our, uh, arguably worse than any of the other uh, items on this list because it, it, it induces inflammation and has all sorts of, of issues when, when, when you cook with it. And so drop the canola oil, uh, drop the peanut oil, <laughs> really any seed oil, cottonseed oil, grapeseed oil. Uh, focus on olive oil, avocado oil, macadamia nut oil, coconut oil, these these are way better tasting. <laughs> they're, they're better to cook with. They're better to put on your salad. And, uh, and they won't, more importantly, cause the inflammation that, uh, that, that is so dangerous uh, and, and is mostly introduced from, from our diets. Uh, next, I, as I started eating a paleo diet, I started to experiment with macros, and I went with what's, what would be called a ketogenic diet. There are lots of definitions of a ketogenic diet. It's generally a high-fat, moderate-protein, low-carb diet. Uh, so you're, you're going to probably strive for 70% of your calories coming from fat. Um, quality fats, though, this is eggs. This is uh, quality meats that are grass-fed. Um, this is good, healthy fish that are wild-caught. That's one of the tenets of, of paleo is that you're going to eat things that are organically raised. You're going to eat things that are... Uh, raised on on a more natural diet in the case of cows that's grass not grains and and things that are caught wild from from the sea um, and and other good sources of fat for a keto diet are coconut oil uh, avocados uh, olive oil is a good source uh, and and then you, you you do need to have your protein intake be relatively moderate i try to sh shoot for 20 to or 15 to 25 percent of my calories coming from protein. What happens with protein is if you if you go low fat but also or high fat but high protein, uh, you're going to end up uh, triggering your body is going to trigger what's called gluconeogenesis, uh, especially if you're not adapted to burning fat. Which a keto diet over time will make your body better at burning fat as a as a fuel source, and and you're less susceptible to gluconeogenesis. This is when your body converts protein into glucose so it's creating new new glucose and there's nothing wrong with glucose um, but if it spikes and, and drops and spikes and drops that causes a lot of the fatigue that people feel throughout the day that also can lead to diabetes it's a very serious problem and, and i would encourage you to try to get your your blood glucose under control and, and the best way to do that frankly is is to go low carb um, if you don't do well on a low carb don't try to force it but again, when, when you start a ketogenic diet, you're going to find that two, three, four weeks, you're going to feel like shit because your body 
will prefer to burn glucose. But once you get through that, your body doesn't care if it's burning glucose or ketones. And in fact, your brain prefers ketones. So a lot of people, once they get through the keto flu, find that they're just very focused. Uh, they don't have food cravings. And that leads to my, the third hack that I picked up from, uh, from a dieting perspective, which is less about what you eat and when you eat. So I started doing intermittent fasting. I found that as I'd gone ketogenic and cut out all of these poisonous foods in, in the paleo diet, uh, that my metabolism had adapted to where I could burn fat as a fuel source. And so I didn't wake up every morning feeling like I needed breakfast. In fact, in fact, some days I would go till three or four o'clock in the afternoon without eating and didn't feel hangry um, and, and, and came to realize that that's a good way to go into ketosis. So your body starts burning ketones when, it, when, when you go, call it 15, 16 hours without eating. Um, I've, uh, I've since done much, much longer uh, fasts. I've gone as, much, as long as five days uh, drinking only water and coffee. And most people think I'm crazy when I tell them that, but I got to be honest, it, does, it is not nearly as challenging once you've done the keto diet, once you've switched over to the ability to burn fat and convert fat into ketones. Uh, fasting becomes much easier. And the longer fasts give you the benefit of what's called autophagy. Uh, that's a cellular repair process that is... Uh, an anti-aging um, technique, and there's a, a handful of other anti-aging things that I've picked up on that I'll talk about in the supplements section, but fasting is one of the best ways to uh, induce cellular autophagy. It also happens to boost your NAD uh, plus levels, which is something that until recently you had to pay a lot of money and have really painful injections to boost your NAD plus, but you, you, you want your NAD plus levels to be higher because they're associated with longer telomeres, which is really a, an age, a biological marker of your actual age. The longer your telomeres, the longer you live is, is the net result. And NAD plus uh, boosts that and long fasts are a very good way. E even short fasts, you'll boost your NAD plus, but long fasts are a good way to boost that. Um, if I could stress one thing, it's just give up on low fat diets. Don't, don't run away from fat. If you've got issues with digesting fat, Try some digestive enzymes. There are things you can do, but your body needs fat. It's just a very important source of calories. And uh, this, uh, the standard American diet for a long time has preached lower fat in, in favor of uh, higher sugar, higher carbohydrates. But it's just proven to be bunk science. And I've, I know very few people who, who, who do better on a low-fat diet. Again, I wouldn't rule it out, but... Jeez. And along those lines, don't ever eat egg whites. Just eat the yolk. It's one of the most healthy things you could possibly eat other than liver. And that brings up another point. I like eating weird things. Um, organ meats. Uh, Braunschweiger is a really good organ meat sausage that you can buy from U.S. Wellness Meats that has liver in it. And liver is just way, way more packed with nutrients than any, anything that you could, you could possibly eat. Uh, they call it nature's multivitamin. Uh, you'd have to eat hundreds of pounds of broccoli to, to you know, to, to equal what you might get in a pound and a half of Braunschweiger, which again is a liver and, and meat muscle blend. It's a little bit easier to eat than, than just liver. Eat bone broth. Um, you know, bone broth is a very important source of collagen, which is a, a very important protein for your skin, for your hair, for your fingernails, uh, for your connective tissue in your body. And, and unfortunately, we don't get enough collagen. And so I, I try to drink bone broth every day. Um, and, and mix up your, med, your, your red meats, um, duck, lamb, mutton. You know, there's all sorts of different meats out there. You don't have to just go for 
for the cow. Bison meat is great if you can get your hand on some elk. It's delicious, and it, and it gives you a slightly different nutrition profile. But try to mix things up and eat things that are maybe out of the ordinary. I like to eat a can of sardines every now and again or, or some smoked oysters or raw oysters. Um, all, all of these different things add up to giving you the, the diversity of, nu- of micronutrients that your body really needs. And after you start to eat these things and incorporate them into your diet, they actually are very delicious as well. Uh, it's harder to eat organ meats because um, in, in a social setting, because a lot of people just don't like the way they taste. So I've recently been taking a lot of supplements from a company called Ancestral Supplements. They actually desiccate all sorts of different grass-fed uh, beef organs and, and, and other animals as well. But I, I switch it up from day to day. Um, I've got a bunch of bottles of ancestral supplements. So one day I may be taking six gallbladder pills where I'm consuming uh, beef gallbladder or liver or a mixture of brain and heart, um, uh, prostate, beef lung. The, the more of these that you can get into your diet, the, the better you're going to do from a micronutrient uh, perspective. And there's a theory in the world of nutrition that you eat the things that you want to improve. So if you want to have better brain function, eat, eat the brains of the animals that you're already eating. Obviously, if you're a vegetarian or a vegan, you, you're not going ha- to have access to these tools. Um, but, but there's other ways. You can eat weird vegetables. You can eat weird fruit. The point is don't always eat the same thing because your, your, your body needs a wide range of micro and macronutrients. And I would encourage people, calories do not matter as much as you think. <laughs> I get this argument all the time. It's all calories in and calories out, and it's bullshit. Um, there are hormones that signal to your body whether you're hungry or not, and certain calories just aren't going to signal that you're full and you're going to overeat. And so, yes, in the long run, technically, calories in, calories out, uh, it, it's just not as simple as people think. And I think that if you can start to eat foods at a certain time of day and in a certain way, you'll, you'll find that it's very easy to create that caloric deficit in the long run. Uh, so for me personally, I fix my nutrition first and then uh, fix my exercise. I've always been into exercise. I, would, I used to run marathons. I used to do a lot of running, what I'd call chronic cardio. I'd go into the gym and do my meathead bench press and <laughs> leg press and uh, curls and there's nothing wrong with those with those lifts but I would and then I'd go do a treadmill for 50 minutes or I'd go do a 10 mile run and look it it, it served me well for a little bit but over time it created creates a lot of inflammation uh, it's it, it, it created injuries and really wasn't doing a good job of controlling my weight as I got older and but that being said, it's still better than not exercising, doing that type of exercising. I think the best exercise you can do is the one that you actually want to do. Uh, for me personally, I really like CrossFit. It motivates me to push myself. There's a social aspect to it. It changes constantly. I don't only do CrossFit. I, I like to do all sorts of functional fitness moves. So I'll grab a set of ropes and throw them up and down as fast as I can. Um, I like to lift heavy weights. So uh, less around curls and and bench press and maybe more on back squats and front squats and and deadlifts. But uh, just lifting heavy weights from time to time is very good. I try to do it once a week or sometimes even twice a week. I really like doing sprints. I think that while running is okay for you if not done in excess or very good for you if not done in excess, I think that sprints are much better. Um, If you want to 
just take take a look at any marathon runner versus any sprinter, world class sprinter, world class in either one, and look at the body composition. and And I think this one kind of speaks for itself uh, in terms of looking better naked. But there's also lots of evidence that it's actually better for the body. It creates less inflammation, less long run cortisol secretion, and is more sustainable on on the joint and frankly it's more fun and you don't spend as much time doing it so you can spend your time doing other things that you enjoy uh, high intensity interval training is one that gets a lot of attention crossfit often fits into this uh, wind sprints in a certain format will often fit into this uh, but it's really just go hard and then recover and the intervals can be whatever you want tabata is a popular one where you do eight rounds of 20 20 seconds high intensity 10 seconds low intensity or no intensity so it's four minutes of work. And anybody who thinks that sounds easy, just go out and, and run that way. <laughs> Let me know how you feel. Um, it's, it's really amazing what kind of a workout you can, you can get from that. But there's all sorts of intervals that you can experiment with. There's some that are longer where you work hard for two minutes. Obviously, you can't work as hard for two minutes as you can for 20 seconds. Um, and, and th but keep in mind, if you're running at an all-out sprint, you're going to need about five to one rest to recovery to fully recover and so a tabata is not going to allow you to recover you can experiment with intervals that allow you to recover better um, i really like functional cardio movements like the assault or echo bike or the rower uh, you, you incorporate a lot more than than just your legs and your lungs in these and because you're pumping blood to all four um, limbs it, it's just a much harder uh, cardiovascular load than just running alone or riding on a stationary bike Again, nothing wrong with those modalities, but try to mix in the, the rower and the assault bike. And I like to do a lot of walking. Uh, rather than long runs, I, I, I'll take a, a good hike any day, especially if you can get in some elevation or some real rugged terrain. It adds a, a, a mental aspect to it as well. And uh, I, I can get my heart rate up in the 180 range on a really good hike up a mountain. Uh, I also think that standing instead of Sitting in a chair is, is very good for you. You don't have to stand all day long, uh, but I do think having a standing desk or just making yourself get up and stand is good. Or if you're going to sit, sit on a med ball and make yourself balance. I wouldn't do it all day. I wouldn't do any of these all day, but I think that if you can incorporate a couple of hours each day, that helps a lot with your, with your fitness. Um, the third concept is I'd like to call it track it to hack it. There are all sorts of self-quantification tools uh, I like the Aura Ring or the Whoop Strap. Um, Aura is probably, in my opinion, slightly better on measuring your recovery and your sleep, although Whoop does a very good job with those as well. Whoop's hands down better at, at measuring exercise results. Uh, they're both good. Use both. Um, I, there's times when I do use both of them. Um, if you're get into ketosis, you can get um, ketosis strips where you pee on them. You can get blood strips, although they're pretty expensive. And a lot of people don't like constantly pricking their fingers. Um, I have a, a tool called the ketonics breath meter where I can measure my breath ketones. And, uh, and, and the idea is just that this doesn't apply if you're not trying to get into ketosis. But if you are, it's good to know. Uh, there's another tool called a Dexcon G6, which is a continuous glucose monitor. There are a couple of others on the market. Uh, you just staple this thing in your stomach or your arm. And uh, it connects over Bluetooth to an app and literally anything that you eat or drink or any exercise you do or any other activity you do, you can see exactly what it does to your blood glucose. So just a really indispensable tool as you're thinking about your diet 
to because again if you can flatten the curve of that of, of your blood glucose response you're going to have less food cravings you're going to have less mood swings you're going to be healthier your immune system is going to function better and you're going to avoid diabetes um, one real simple self-quantification take pictures of yourself just to see how your body fat evolves uh, the camera doesn't lie and honestly when you want to track your uh <laughs> Your, your body fat, you can get into a really good, uh, there, there's a whole bunch of different tools for, for measuring body fat, and I recommend doing those. But, but I've shown people, you can take a picture of yourself, and then you can go online and find what does 8% body fat look like? What is 10? What is 12? What is 14? What is 16? And you can get, get a pretty good feel for what your body fat percentage is. Uh, one of my favorite ways to track is just how do clothes fit. If you've got clothes that that uh, that fit you well when, when you were felt heavy, and they start to not fit correctly, then that's a sign that you're doing the right thing. Uh, there's some much more advanced tests there that I've been experimenting with. Uh, Viome is a great one. That's kind of gross. You poop and <laughs> scoop it out and send it in, but they give you um, all the different bacteria and viruses and every other little critter that is in your belly, uh, commonly called your gut biome, and they make very actionable recommendations, and it's cheap. You can do it for $150. I like to do it every quarter and just see how well their recommendations have uh, served me. They can tell you gut permeability. They can tell you what foods are likely to cause inflammation or are known to cause inflammation. Uh, they can tell you where your biome might be short in certain bacteria that are, that are helpful bacteria or where there's overgrowth of bad bacteria. So it's a really, really helpful, helpful tool and one of my favorites at this point. And it's one of the hottest uh, companies in, in this space. Everybody knows about 23andMe. I recommend having that or some sort of DNA uh, sequencing test. They've got a lot of really good data in 23andMe. I've signed up for other services like DNA Fit and GenoPallet that sit on top of it. Uh, but knowing your DNA, look, DNA is not a sentence. It's not. It, we, we, I think we all understand that our genes don't dictate exactly everything about us, but it's there are things that are programmed in our genes that mean we need to think about environmental factors differently based on those genes. So don't look at, a, at a, having a bad gene as a death sentence. Look at having knowing that you have a gene that's quote-unquote bad means that you may need to make some adjustments to your diet or to other things. When you're getting blood work done at your, at your, you know, your, your annual exam, which you're hopefully doing uh, with the doctor, ask them for the NMR panel. It's just a much better uh, blood test that looks much more deeply into especially your lipids. Uh, the, the reality is that just looking at LDL cholesterol and HDL and triglycerides, while it may be helpful in some cases, it, it doesn't paint the whole picture. You need to look at your inflammation markers. You need to look at your levels of oxidation, and you need to look at particle size and particle count. And NMR gives you those, and the good news is almost all insurance covers it. Just a lot of doctors don't know about it. Or And just if, if you talk to your doctor about some of these concepts, don't be surprised if they... <laughs> try to talk you out of it because they if they don't know about it um, they're, they're probably not going to recommend it and but but an NMR panel is at least I mean it, it can't be worse than what it's replacing uh, so I've heard of a few um, doctors who push back on the test but if it's covered by insurance tell them to fuck off and just do it you're the you're the patient you're the customer it's their job to, to serve you not not the other way around um, you can do food sensitivity tests you don't need to do these often because they probably don't change much but it is good to know what foods are going to cause inflammation or inflammatory responses for you. You can take a cortisol test kit, which is a great way to figure out if you're not sleeping well at night, but you're tired all day. 
chances are pretty good that your cortisol is high in the morning and or your cortisol is low in the morning, which is making you tired and that your uh, melano, uh, melatonin is, is high in the morning, which is making you sleepy during the day. And there's a variety of reasons that those two curves might be inverted from what you would hope they are. Again, you want to have high cortisol and low uh, melatonin in the morning and the cortisol should drop off throughout the day out to where it's very low at night and to where your melatonin is high at night. And if those two flip, you're going to be very tired, but find that you can't sleep at night, which is a very, very stressful place to be. And it's actually not that hard of a problem to fix. There's some supplements that you can take and some other things that you can do. Uh, but if you know that there's a problem with your cortisol and your melatonin, uh, if you don't know, then you're not going to be able to fix it. Let's put it that way. Um, Everly Well is another service that I encourage people to look at. They've got probably 30 or 40 tests. Um, some of them are... are aren't as strictly focused on optimization. They have a whole bunch of STD and COVID, COVID tests, tests um, which may be useful in other situations. But there's things in here like heavy metal tests and testosterone tests and all sorts of different uh, hormone level tests that you can do from your from the privacy of, of your own home. And I would encourage you to to take a peek around there and, and look and see if there's tests that might might be useful for you. And they explain what each test will, will tell you, um, which, which again, these are all tests that five, 10 years ago would have been expensive and you'd have to have a doctor involved to do them, but you can do them from the privacy of your own home and the tools are getting better at interpreting the results. Uh, supplements are important. Um, a lot of people don't like supplements uh, because the supplement industry at times has, uh, has peddled things that, that may not be the best ingredients. Um, they aren't subject to the same FDA regulatory approval that, that drugs are. But honestly, you're probably not getting all of the nutrients that you need um, to, to, to even perform at a basic level from our food supply. It's just the, the nutrient levels in our food supply are bad. So even if you're eating organic food and you're eating from the right farms, chances are good that you're deficient in some of these vitamins. And again, there are tests that will tell you if, you're, if you are deficient. But for me personally, I take vitamin D whenever there isn't enough sun, especially during this COVID pandemic, I try to do 5,000 IUs a day unless I'm going to be out in the sun with my shirt off for, for 30 minutes or more. Um, I'm sorry if you're putting sunscreen on, you're not getting vitamin D through it. So at least try to get 20 or 30 minutes, which if you don't have melanoma or other awful skin conditions, you, you're going to be okay with 20 or 30 minutes, especially if, if you build up a little bit of natural protection through getting a little bit of, of suntan. Uh, but, but again, hiding from the sun and or if you're in a in a climate where or, or at a latitude where you where you just can't get sun um I, you know, and for me that's any time in the winter um and and the beginning of or the end of the fall and the beginning of spring even when the sun's out it's not necessarily enough or if i have you know if i'm not in a setting where i can take my shirt off then i'm going to make sure i take 5,000 ius of vitamin d a day uh, i take krill oil or, or fish oil pills most of the time, I like to cycle in and out of these for a little bit of time, but I, I, I prefer to get my fish oil from actual fish, but I don't eat fish every single day, so I try to take krill oil or fish pills most of the time. Uh, vitamin B12 is great for brain function. My B12 levels tend to be pretty healthy, but if you're on a vegetarian or vegan diet, you need to be supplementing B12, point blank, because I don't believe you can get it from vegetable sources. I like nootropics like Alpha Brain or Tianchi. 
and there's a handful of others. There's some um, um, some uh, reishi mushrooms and lion's mane mushrooms and all sorts of great products that are out there. Uh, these are good for me when I particularly need to be mentally focused. Um, caffeine's another good one. L-theanine is a good one. But th there are definitely nootropics that you can take that increase your focus. And if you think about when you get a, a hit of caffeine in the morning, uh, you, that feeling that you get of the mental focus and the and the willingness to to, to, to think a little bit more deeply, that's that's what all of these are, all of these nootropics are really trying to uh, re really trying to create for you. Uh, I don't do a lot of protein supplementing just because I do eat a lot of meats. But when I when I want some protein and and uh, don't feel like I've gotten enough from my diet, I use a product called Keto Protein. It's it's bone broth based. I find that whey protein makes me fart, <laughs> and uh, pea protein same thing. I really like the broth-based proteins. Some people can process whey protein fine. Just get it from a grass-fed source if, if you can. Um, creatine is one if you're lifting heavy weights. I highly recommend taking creatine. It's also good for your brain. Uh, there's pre-workout uh, pre drinks that are out there. They should be loaded with arginine, which is a good um, molecule for uh, enhancing nitric oxide uptake, which gives you the muscle pumps. Also lets your... Your, your blood vessels open up and, and absorb more nutrients in, into the muscles where you need it. Um, some people like branched-chain amino acids. I've taken them in the past. I, I find that essential aminos are better uh, for me personally for, from a recovery perspective. Uh, the branched-chain amino acids can uh, enhance mTOR and definitely will take you out of a fast if you are fasting and you want to minimize the impact of of the amino acids that you're taking. Do not take branched-chain amino acids. If you have a Dexcom G6, you're going to see that your blood sugar spikes from the mTOR released by branched-chain amino acids. Essential aminos have all of the branched-chain amino acids plus five or six others that tend to wreak less havoc on your, on your blood sugar. Uh, Magnesium is a good one for people to supplement with. Uh, it's very calming, and uh, there are all sorts of problems associated with magnesium deficiency. I find that an Epsom salt bath every now and again or, or getting into a float tank where you're in literally 1,200 pounds of Epsom salt gives you all the magnesium that I need. I like to take a, a, a multivitamin powder called Athletic Greens personally, just the ratios and the sources for, for all of the different um, vitamins, and they're all naturally sourced um, naturally sourced vitamins, and I, that's one that, that, I'll, that I'll take every now and again. I don't take it religiously, but I like to... I'd say probably three or four times a month I'll, I'll drink an Athletic Greens drink. There's a really cool product from Bulletproof called Unfair Advantage. That's um, a combination of PQQ and coenzyme Q10, which are two, two vitamins that uh, it, I think they named it right. It's an unfair advantage. Your mental focus, your energy levels, um, your, your performance do are, are enhanced. It's an expensive, uh, it's an expensive supplement. I kind of cycle through it. Anytime where I feel like I want just a little bit of extra, I'll, I'll, I'll buy some unfair advantage. But there's plenty of other bio or PQQ and coenzyme Q10 products out there as well. Bulletproof's unfair advantage is one that I just like. Uh, there's another one called Keto Prime, which is oxyaloacetate, I think is how you pronounce it. Uh, again, this is one that I cycle in and out of. It just helps with mitochondria production and, and, and energy levels. It's also expensive, um, so I don't take this one all the time. And then I mentioned NAD+. There is a supplement called NMN or nicotinamide mononucleotide. 
There's another one called Truniagen, which is nicotinamide riboside. Um, those are good to stack with either resveratrol or terostilbene. I personally prefer terostilbene. It's very it's related to resveratrol. It's just you can take it while you're fasting because it's not it doesn't require fat. Whereas resveratrol to be absorbed, you're going to want to get a, a, a take it with some with some fat. Either one though is great. Um, they complement NMN and NR very well. These are uh, very well researched molecules that have been shown to reverse aging in mice and are believed to reverse aging in, in adults. In any event, since I've been taking them, I feel a whole lot better. Maybe it's a placebo effect, but I'm, I'm sticking with them. And those are ones that I take all the time. I don't cycle out of those. Uh, one, one other concept that took me a while to really understand, but I've talked about it a lot, are hormetic stressors. These are things that cause a cortisol response. They cause a stress response. Uh, but it's a stressor that doesn't kill you. It makes you stronger. We've all heard that saying. And these are things where your body's response to the stress actually makes you stronger in the long run. And some of my favorite hormetic stressors are fasting. Uh, that is a, a form of hormetic stressor. It, it is stressing systems in your body, but your body's response to it is, makes you stronger. Uh, cold showers, ice bath, cryotherapy, these are hormetic stressors that are, that are very good for you and known to reduce inflammation in the long run. They will increase inflammation in the short run in some cases, but they, the, the idea of these hormetic stressors is in the long run they reduce inflammation. Sauna is one of my favorite. I try to do sauna four or five times a week. Um, there's a whole lot of great resources out there if you want to look at the health impacts of sauna. It aids in recovery, uh, helps... Uh, helps boost immune function. Um, it's a good time to have some quiet downtime so you can reflect. Um, it's not the easiest thing to do. Start slow or start, start at lower temperatures and lower durations, but get in there and sweat. It's a great way to detox. A lot of things are <laughs> detoxified through your skin and your sweat and saunas create a lot of sweat. Um, I, I like to do a 20 to 30 minute. Um, if I'm feeling really masochistic, I may stack it with uh, 20 or 30 minutes per sauna session, followed by five, six minutes in an ice bath, and then back into the sauna, back into the ice bath. And it's just, it's amazing how you feel afterwards and the sleep that you get from it is amazing. I also like to use red and near infrared light. Um, they, they don't heat you up the way a sauna does, but it does create reactions inside your skin and your muscle tissue that have been shown to increase healing capacity, to reduce wrinkles, and to overall help with with your health and recovery from a particularly tough workout. So that's another one that I like to try uh, or that I like to use from time to time. And there's all sorts of spas now that have near infrared um, and same thing with sauna and, and, and ice baths as well. So if you don't have them at home, you can find places, uh, especially as we come out of this, this lockdown from COVID. Uh, managing stress is one that's difficult. I think anybody who is, is involved in startups has a lot of stress, um, but, I've found a couple things to be very helpful. Um, meditation is great. Uh, my fiance likes to do transcendental meditation, which is a great approach. Um, I find that I can use an app and while I can't get into the meditative sta uh, states that she can, it's still very helpful for me to use something like Calm or Sam Harris's app for doing meditations. And honestly, five to 10 minutes a day of meditation um, if you can carve that time out, and you probably need to do it in the beginning of the day, uh, it's, it's going to make you f manage stress a whole lot better. 
Uh, yoga is another way to, to manage stress that, that I found very useful. It also adds in a lot of great stretching and gets your heart rate up. It's a very good workout modality, but it's also a great stress management. Um, deep breaths or just controlling your breath. Meditation gets into a lot of breathing, but e even just going through and periodically doing box breathing, which is breathe in for four count, hold it for a four count, breathe out for a four count, and then hold it out for four count and just repeat that as many times as you can. There's all sorts of other breathing techniques. Uh, Wim Hof has a popular series of, of breathing techniques. Um, ben Greenfield has, has written at length and, and podcasted at length about these, but I, but I find that just getting a focus on my breath and breathing more deeply in and out into the belly as opposed to into the chest can really manage your stress. I mean, you can literally flip from the sympathetic to the parasympathetic system and in the reverse by controlling your breath. And if you get into ice baths, um, <laughs> managing your breath while getting into an ice bath is the real key for beginners to, 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 to be able to, to, to take a, a very serious cold plunge. Um, learning how to reframe things. Sometimes things are just going to suck, and no matter the amount of breathing or meditation that you do, you're, you're going to feel stress from it. I think if you can reframe that stress, and, and there's a variety of different te techniques you can do, but if you really just stop and say, okay, what's, what version of this story that can be told that is true is not as stressful for me as, as the way that I'm, uh, that I'm framing it right now, I think more often than not, that can be a very useful way to, to reduce stress. I think also understanding your slow brain versus your fast brain can help you with stress as well. We, when we don't, when we're unfamiliar with a topic, um, well, or, or a, a skill or so when you first start out driving, for instance, you're going to use your slow brain because you need to process everything that's happening and, and you're, you're thoughtful and you don't have a programmed automatic response. Somebody who's been driving for 30 years um, very often is using what's called their fast brain. And the fast brain, you're not really thinking about doing it. It's your subconscious mind taking over and it moves much faster. Uh, there's an excellent book called Thinking Fast and Slow where Daniel Kahneman laid out a lot of the behavioral science behind this. And, and I do think that there are times that you get stressed about something that's a response from your fast brain. And if you can stop and say, let me think about this, let me not just respond to this, but let me actually pause and reflect on it, you can oftentimes reduce your stress level and come up with a much better solution. But it's just identifying that, you're, that this is an automatic response and not something where you've actually thought through. Uh, j just identifying that alone can help you out a lot. And my last biohack is, is sleep. I used to really struggle with sleep, not just quantity, um, but quality was a big deal for me. I'll tell you all the things that I've tried. Some work better than others. I think you need to try as many of them as you have to until you get to better sleep. Um, black your room out. Any light that is in your room, you obviously need to turn your lights out, unplug your nightlights, but less obvious sources. If you have an alarm clock, you just got to get rid of that shit because the, the, the light there is, even if you close your eyes, even if it just gets on your skin, that can reduce your melatonin production. So black your room out to the extent that you can. Bring some, bring some tape with you when you're traveling to a hotel and just cover up LED lights. Uh, LED lights are a real common one that I, that I see from time to time. An LED light on a TV, even when it's turned off, just cover it up with a piece of tape and, and you'll be amazed at what a difference it makes. Um, 
reducing blue light. So there's two tactics here that work really well for me. Blue blockers, if I have to be around blue blood, uh, blue light late in the evening before bedtime, um, I'll, I'll put on a set of blue blocker glasses and they reduce the amount of blue light. Um, there's also tools like night shift or F dot Lux or Iris is one that I'm using on, on my, uh, on all my computers these days where they reduce the level of blue light throughout the day. Blue light is good in the beginning of the day. It signals to your body that you are, um, need to wake up and it starts to change the hormone composition. Like I talked about earlier too much <coughs> blue light at night though is bad for your bad for you. It's going to reduce your melatonin production. Um, so you want more red light at night, which if you think about it from an ancestral perspective, uh, you had candlelight, you had fires at night, that's red light. And so if you can get some red, red light sources at night as well, that's great. The reality is a lot of us are glued to our devices. So these tools like Night Shift or F.Lux or Iris, they're really designed to give you more red light at night and more blue light in, in the morning. But you can also invest in lamps I talked about. The, the red light lamps that I use, I like to use those later in the day uh, to, to increase my red light input. That helps a lot with sleep as well. Uh, but there's also green and blue and other color lamps that you can use if for some reason you're not getting enough uh, of, of the bluer end of the light spectrum in, in the morning. But most of us, we have, we're bombarded with it all day between fluorescent and LED light bulbs, between all of our screens. Most of us are getting plenty of that, that uh, lower quality blue light. Um, I mentioned meditation. Meditating before bed is a great way to put yourself into a, a sleep mode um, and to calm your mind so that it's not racing and keeping you awake. Uh, there's a wonderful tool called Binaural Beats. You can find them on there's Binaural Beats podcast. There's all sorts of digital downloads of Binaural Beats. You can get Binaural Beats apps. The concept um, is, is very simple. It's uh, they're, they're going to play there's four or five different brainwave um, patterns that are pretty common for people. And if you play, if you play sounds that are out of phase just enough between your left ear and your right ear, your brain will connect or will, will try to correct the discrepancy in those, in the, in those sound waves. And, and in the process of doing that, it puts you into what's called a theta wave uh, state. It's really amazing. Anybody who, um, <laughs> is skeptical should try it. There's a couple different binaural beat types that you want to look at. Uh, one is if you just want to get a quick nap during the day. Um, I, I've got some where I can listen for five minutes and I pass out for 20 or 30 minutes and wake up refreshed. It's a different brainwave if I want to induce deep sleep. Uh, but, but again, you can experiment with binaural beats usually for, for free. I think there are some paid ones, but you can find it, find them on YouTube. You can find them anywhere, but you need to have the sound playing in, in both of your ears. Um, Earplugs, eye covers, those are good tools for blocking out sound and light when it's impossible to black it out or to be completely quiet. Um, occasionally, I'll take melatonin, uh, especially if I've been around a lot of blue light or if I'm particularly stressed. Um, doesn't always work, but if my melatonin levels are low and I take melatonin, it, it will help. I especially use it when I'm traveling uh, east to west across time zones. It's a good way to reset your internal circadian clock. Uh, CBD oil in the 100 milligram um, dose for me works really well. Um, I can track with my aura ring or with my or with my whoop strap. I can see exactly how much deep sleep I'm getting. And prior to adding CBD oil into the rotation, I would routinely get 10 to 15 minutes of deep sleep. And you really want to get 
if you can get an, if I can get an hour to two hours, I'm, I'm generally going to be a lot more recovered in the morning and CBD oil really helps with that. Um, you'll have to experiment with the dosage yourself. Like I said, for me, it's really getting up into that hundred milligram, uh, areas where I found that C that CBD helped me to sleep, uh, more, more deeply. Um, another time zone hack. I used to do a lot of traveling. Uh, there's a, there's a tool called the human charger. It's headphones that actually beam uh, bright lights into your ears. Um, it's, it's particularly effective if you're in an area where, uh, where in a time of the year where you're getting 16 or 18 hours of, of darkness and that can throw your circadian rhythm off and the, the human charger can help with that. But it also helps when you're traveling between time zones. It just resets your circadian clock. First thing in the morning when you get up and you're in a new time zone, I'll run the human charger two or three times. And, uh, and after I've done that for two or three days, I'm very, very adjusted. Even when I've traveled to Australia or to Singapore and back, uh, I was able to dramatically reduce my jet lag by using the human charger. Uh, one simple hack, get to bed early. It sounds stupid, but if you, if you lay down at nine o'clock versus laying down at two in the morning, you're going to have a very different sleep experience. So just make yourself go to bed a little earlier and see if, see if you can start to change your, your, your sleep patterns. And I also think don't worry as much about eight hours from, from what I've read and experienced. It's kind of a bullshit guideline. Um, it's more about how, how much sleep you average over a period of time. And it's more about the quality of the sleep, which is where an aura ring or a whoop strap uh, will be really helpful for you in quantifying your sleep and really determining, am I getting the right amount of sleep for me personally, if I can average seven to seven and a half, I feel, I feel good. I feel great if I average eight to eight and a half, but it's average. I can go four hours, a couple nights. I'm going to have to catch up later, but, but it's, it's much more about how you average over time. And, and again, you're a tool like a whoop or, or, or an aura ring will help you a lot with thinking about your sleep over time. It'll, they'll both show you your deficit. They'll both recommend times that you go to bed. Uh, they'll also recommend whether you should work out hard or not based on how recovered you are from your sleep. But that's, again, going back to my hack it to track it section. That, that's where that becomes really important. So I think that's about it for right now. Um, got it all out there. Hope you're still listening. And, uh, as I mentioned, I'll probably put one of these out soon where I take a little more data driven approach and start with the measurements that, that you can make and talk about how you can tailor some of these things based on it. But my guess is that for most people, if you're not already doing a lot of these things, the more of these you can incorporate, uh, the better you're going to feel. And if you really want to know where to get started and you want a much more comprehensive approach than what I've, uh, what I've laid out here, I highly recommend the book, um, own the day by Aubrey Marcus. He, he lays out a, a lot of what I've talked about in here. It's, it's a great resource. Get it on audible, listen to it on your commute. If you're go starting to go back to work or starting to drive a little bit more, I highly recommend it, but hopefully this has been helpful. Thanks so much.